Welcome to The Real Deal, where God, His purposes, and His people are celebrated. I'm Rachel Inouye, bringing you encouragement through real life, people, and their stories. It's The Real Deal. Hey, let's get started. So back by popular demand, I have my father, Richard Hagen, with me. And I am really glad. Dad, the response to the first podcast of The Real Deal with you, my hero, um, RD for Real Deal, was very positive. So I'm glad that you're joining me today. And I'm actually joining you because I'm here in your home. So thank you for being with me. You excited? Yeah, I'm ready. You're ready? Okay, so what I want you to do today is I want for you to tell me, you know how we treat you like a jukebox. We tell you like, tell us different stories or whatever. You can tell us some stories and I may ask you some (laughs) questions. That's a deep well. (laughs) I may ask you some questions, but whatever you'd like to share, go ahead and let me know. You have a story for me or a joke? Oh, I have several of them. Okay, tell me. Anyway, when I was in high school, we used to have a game and they would name a subject and I would tell a story. Seriously? We'd go on for hours, maybe all night sometimes. Just call out something? Just give me a subject, and then I'd tell them a story. <laughs> they couldn't believe it. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know if you were with me or not, but in the living room, there are Charles Ames chairs. Yes. The real ones. Yes. Bought them downtown Minneapolis at the bookstore, and we were unloading them out here. Were you here? That And the architect walked by. Mm, I'm not sure. Okay. okay. Anyway, we were unloading the chairs, and he saw them, and he said, are they real or knockoffs? I said, they're real. Thumbs up, he said. <laughs> he was from Winnipeg, Canada, a friend of mine, architect. Anyway, the real deal, if you have a chair, this Charles M. chair, you look at that, and you know what it is. Right. Now, there are some knockoffs, and sometimes they look a lot like the real thing, but they're not the real thing, and every time you look at that one, you say, oh, well, that's... Yeah. That's not the real deal. That's not That's the real, not the real mm-hmm. deal. And it, it may look like it. It may even act like it. But you just know somehow it's not not the real thing. Now, I have a story about, I just read this. And I have a theory about, you ought to always give the credit to the, where you get the story. I get, story. I, I agree with you. Because you're, you're going to be getting information somewhere. The, the theory is, if you copy from one person, it's called plagiarism. If you copy from a few people, it's called influence. And if you copy from a whole bunch of people, it's called research. Right. And so somewhere along the line, everybody gets help from somebody. And the smart thing to do is give credit where the credit is due. And I'm not sure that that's not a biblical thing, but the Bible says... But it certainly honors the person, so that's biblical. Yeah, the Bible talks about give honor where honor is due. That's right. Instead of credit, it's probably the same thing. Anyway, I read this story the other day, and I can't give the credit because they didn't give the name of the person. Yeah. Anyway, a college professor in class, he all came to class, and on each desk was a white piece of paper. And like every other day, he says, we're going to have a test today. And when I tell you to turn the paper over and, and take the test. So like to all, begin, like just when I tell you now, you'll begin. Yeah. Okay. When, so they all get in, they all sit down, and they all look to this paper. And he says, all right, begin the test. So they turn the paper over, and there's one little black dot. That's it. One little black dot on the page. He said, all right, now write what you've seen. Tell me what you see. And so they all wrote about the 
black dot, and it went on and on and on. After everybody, like 26 people, I think, in the class, then he read what each person said. And when he got all done, he said, isn't it amazing that nobody mentioned that beautiful piece of white paper that the black dot was on? Yeah. He said, everybody looked at the black, the negative black spot, and they didn't look at all the white that was around it. And he said, that's like any, Life. anything. Life. The positive is all the white, and the negative was that one little black dot. But people somehow have an uncontrollable desire to look at that black mm. dot. Mm. Once upon a time in a, in a lettering class, I heard a person say, don't look at the black letters, look at the white spaces between them, because that's the, where the important part is. That's how you space the letters. Right, right. The white space between the letters, not the letters. And a pretty good theory, I think. And when you see a garage sale sign, oh, <laughs> some of them are so bad. They are just so bad, I speed up. I can't take, I just can't take it. You, you and then there are little tiny letters that you can't read. Yeah. And they're flapping in the wind, and then they fall over, and they wonder why they don't have any customers. Or, I, you've told me before, too, like, it'll be, like, for sale. Let's say it's for sale. Huge F, big O, big R, pretty decent S, a little bit smaller A. They're running out of space, a tiny L, barely an E. Plan and you ahead. say, plan ahead. Exactly. Anyway, whether it's, whether it's a knockoff, whether it's real, people understand what the real deal is. Yeah. They, you, don't, you don't fool young people. You don't fool kids. They can tell whether you're real or not, and sometimes they'll even challenge you or they'll tell you. Yeah, you know, if you're not being authentic. Yeah, they'll, they'll tell you flat out if they don't believe what you're telling them. Anyway, another story. This has nothing to do with anything except the Duchess of Windsor said... <laughs> Everyone knows that one wears gold during the daytime because the sun is golden color. And everyone knows that one wears platinum at night because the moon is platinum in color. And I thought, well, I don't know that. I didn't know. I never heard of that before. Yeah. It's a good theory, though. Yeah. It's really a good, theory. a good theory. I don't wear gold or platinum either. I don't know. Right. But I thought, wow, she must live in a different world than, than I do. Everyone Because that was 30 or 40 years ago that I heard that. Yeah. Anyway, one of my favorite people, I gave a speech one time. And, and he was there. And after I finished... He said something like, not exactly like this, but something like this. He says, Dick, when you're giving a speech, don't yell all the time. <laughs> he said, you pause now and then, whisper now and then, speed up, slow down, do all these different things to keep the audience uh, you know, with you. Because if you, if you yell all the time, he said, pretty soon it's like beans for breakfast, beans for lunch, and beans for dinner. He said, they'll turn you off every time. Right. So he said, learn right, right. to do this. And I thought, well, I never thought of it like that before. What speech were you giving? Oh, I don't know. I don't remember. It was about art of something. But that's really true. Pace, timing, volume. Timing is everything. All of it. Timing is everything. Yeah, it all makes sense. But anyway, and then he says this. Dick, you get up in front of that crowd and you talk about art like you're asking people to come to Jesus. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> With authority. Yeah, he says, you get all excited. He says it's like a Baptist preacher or something. Oh. <laughs> okay, what? tell me about the time where you 
and your colleague Bruce were supposed to do something and okay I'm not, I'm gonna get it wrong but do you know what I mean we're yeah okay tell that one we were judging a show out in Scotts Bluff Nebraska that's a long ways we drove the MG out there and that oh man that's a long ways Anyway, it was hot. The hot, tiny hot. MG midget the whole way out there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we had to judge 3,000 artworks. And so we were there for two days, yeah. two full days. And at the, end of the full, uh, at the end of the two days, I said, Bruce, we're ready to go. Let's just pack up and go have a steak and head home. Right. So <laughs> I didn't realize that we were supposed to stay for a banquet that night. So we went out and ate this big, big steak. steak. We came back. <laughs> and we couldn't eat. We, and there's this Cherry County, Nebraska, famous for beef steaks. Okay. And they were all brought these big steaks off for us. For the banquet. <laughs> we couldn't eat them. And then they said, well, you're staying for the program, of course. You're speaking. <laughs> so I said to Bruce, we had five points. We're going to judge all these things. We have five points. <clears throat> Do you have the noise? I left them on that bedside table in the motel. Oh, okay. I said, "Well, man, I don't know. I, can, I don't know if I can remember all five. So I said, "Okay." So I said, "I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go." So I got up there and I told them what we used. I said, "I brought Bruce with me, and he's going to help me judge the show." And so we, we all this, and so I gave one pointer, point two, <laughs> with authority. point three. And then I couldn't remember any other, so I said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to turn over to my friend Bruce, and he'll, he'll kind of wrap things up for you. And Bruce got up on the stage, and he couldn't remember, and he walked back and forth and back and forth. I thought he's never going to say anything, because I was winging it. And so finally, he, he, said, he thought of one, evidently. Okay. Because he said, this is point number four or whatever. He went on to tell how we used that, and we judged all these things twice. We put them all up against the wall, we turned them back, and all that. Anyway, yeah. he says, I'll tell you what, I respect Mr. Hagen so much, I'm going to turn it back to him. <laughs> so I had to go back up there. And I, I don't know what the people in that auditorium, there are a lot, maybe hundreds, you know. Yeah, yeah. And right in the front row was a guy named Mark's house, a famous guy. Mm. I'd seen him on Johnny Carson and whatever. And he's an art professor at a school in Nebraska, but he was really, really, really respected, well-known guy. Anyway, I thought, and Bruce, <laughs> he paced back and forth. He told everybody that story. Well, it was a little shaky, I guess. But so yeah. it was we're good friends. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I helped hire him. So yeah. it wasn't like we're just all together bad. Anyway, you need to learn to make decisions. Mm. I told you this story before. You know, you know you need to make decisions, and a flat squirrel in the middle of the road is a sign. <laughs> they couldn't make up his mind which way to go, and so there is a flat squirrel. <laughs> Just, so people need to learn to make decisions. Yeah. I know it's not easy, but they need, they need to, to make them. Now the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable, unstable. in all, all his ways. ways. Yeah. Now there's one thing about leadership. You want a leader you can believe in, and the leader you can trust, and the leader, all this stuff. And there's one thing for sure, if you don't trust them, they won't be the leader, they, they, they can't be. They, they, just, they just can't do it because people will lose interest. And I've, I've or if heard, they go back and forth, because then yeah, they feel yeah. like they're unstable. Oh, you know, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not I don't sure, know. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I'm sure there comes a time when people, need, you know, you do that because you say, well, you know, on this way, maybe it's this, and you, you try to decide which one. And maybe I, to be honest about that. But. Yeah, I, there's nothing wrong with that. But ultimately, you need to make a decision because suppose I talked to a guy the other day that was a, uh, during World War II, he was in the Airborne. Mm. And uh, he's an architect here in town. And the, when I came to town, he's the first one that bought he bought three drawings from me mm. for when I first came to town. He gave them away to Muriel has one of them. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Anyway, I talked to him the other day, and he has a hard time hearing. But anyway, <laughs> I said something about, you jumped out of any planes lately? Because <laughs> that's what he did during the war. Yeah. He says, I've jumped out of perfectly wonderful airplanes. <laughs> they were flying right along, yeah. but I jumped out. And I thought, you know, that's a neat story because there was nothing wrong with the plane. Right. But they are, they're taught to whatever, bail out and do whatever it is. And so it, if you're at that time, they had a ripcord they had to pull. Right, you know, right. Nowadays, they're automatic, they somehow jump. But you have to make up your mind when to pull it. <laughs> exactly. Because if you don't, it might be too late. Might be flat anyway, squirrel anyway, time. Yeah, flat squirrel. That, that, yeah, right, flat squirrel time. Anyway. How do you make decisions? What are some things, that, what are some big decisions in your life you've had to make? Um, well, coming to Ames would have been a big one. Yeah. Um, well, I, that, that's another story. When I came here, well, first of all, it was at midnight. And I got a call and asked, and that said, we'd like to hire you to Iowa State. And I thought, well, who are you? And her name was Marjorie Garfield. And she said, uh, I'm Marjorie Garfield. I said, well, I'm sorry, I don't know you. And she said, well, we know you. I said, really? She said, we've been watching you for years, and mm. I'd like to yeah. offer you a job at Iowa State. And I thought, well, yeah, that's kind of weird. At midnight, I was out in the shop working on a sculpture I was welding. That's another story. Yeah. I made a sculpture out of scrap parts in this big pile of iron. Yeah. And I called it the baggage chief. It was like a, a figure. Mm. And the, the I gave it to the, the the son of the guy in that owned the shop. Oh. He was there, and he liked it so much, I told him, well, just take it. So he oh, and his wife nice. had this, and then they moved to Denison, <laughs> Iowa, and I, they got a divorce. And he had a big lawsuit over who's going to get the baggage chief. Oh, the sculpture. Yeah, they had a big lawsuit about who was <laughs> going to get that. And it came from her dad's scrap pile. I thought, well, yeah. Oh, boy, yeah. Another thing. One day, I was there, and he said he was going to ride a horse. She had a horse. She says, you don't know how to ride a horse. She, you don't, you know, no, don't do it. Don't do it. So he's, oh yeah, he could do it. <laughs> so the next thing you know, they went down the road, maybe a quarter mile. Next thing, that horse was coming full speed back oh. and he was out of control. Yeah. Now he lied. He said he could ride. He didn't know how, to, how ride, to ride. And that horse knew it. The horses know that. Anyway, he came through that yard. Oh, yeah, I was just letting him go. And I thought, now he lied the first time. And then he, <laughs> he lied about the second time. Oh, I thought, is there no end to this phony baloney stuff? <laughs> anyway. So you made the decision to come, though. Okay. So I told him, I'll tell you what. So I came to Ames. She gave me a ride around town, and she had a Buick. And the muffler was out. It was just roaring. I, I don't know what she said. I have no <laughs> you idea. You couldn't hear her. I got no idea what she said. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she introduced me to all these people. We went around and around. I said, I'll tell you what. She said, well, we're going down to the downtown Nola over there, the Sheldon Mun 
Well, it was the best restaurant. Okay, so they were going to take you out. I had a big long table with 10 people, and they're looking at me, you know. And I thought, I don't have any money. I hope somebody's paying for this. Right, right, right. I don't have a penny. I have one penny. So <laughs> she paid for the Swedish, right, right. Swedish meatballs or whatever. <laughs> anyway, so she said, we went to meet the dean. And the dean said, oh, I don't want to hire him. And this woman, head of the department, says, well, I do. She says, well, all right. Yes, you're the head of the department, whatever you want. So and I, she, she reminded me of Eleanor Roosevelt. She was mm. real tall. She looked like Eleanor Roosevelt. Mm. And she was kind of gruff, but she was, she was really a good artist. Sharp. Really a good artist. Anyway, she says, here's what I want you to do. Get your name in the paper, win prizes, and make us look good. And he said, if you do that, I'll make I'll make it right with you. Exact words, I'll make it right with you. So I entered a lot of shows, and I won prize, and I did all that. And she'd, she'd hand me notes, and she was the real deal. Mm. The note would be big letters, small letters, vertical letters. The whole thing oh, was like a composition. Almost a piece of artistry. Every letter was like a composition. And then this is exactly what I'm looking for, explanation, explanation, three or four. Exclamation points. Yeah. 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 Anyway, every time I got a note from her, it'd be like that. I'd win a prize, and then she's, oh, this is exactly what I was looking for. So anyway, after five years, I got a call, says the dean wants to see you. I thought, oh, shoot, here we go. <laughs> you thought you were in trouble? <laughs> so, so I went in there, and, and <laughs> she says, what do you do to these people? I thought, oh, wow, I wonder what she's heard. Mm. She says, we have an exit interview. And every student, when they graduate, they always mention your name. What yeah. What do you do to those people? Yeah. I said, well, I don't know. I learned their middle name and learned their hometown. And sometimes I even stop by the farm on the way by yeah. if I know what it is. So, several of them out there. She said, well, you know, I didn't want to hire you. And I said, well, I remember. Yeah. She said, well, I've changed my mind. Mm. She said, I've changed my mind. And I'm going to promote you. And then she did. She promoted me twice, actually. Mm. And I thought, well, that was pretty good. And when I retired, guess what? She's the one that filled out my papers. Nice. Yeah. That Over comes Hilton full Coliseum. circle. Yeah, Her I name remember. was Hilton, by the way. Really? Yeah. Anyway, now that's a story that you could... But you know, but go, going back to that, that exit interview thing, there has to be something about your authenticity and your being the real deal and also caring about the people that they would have mentioned that on the way out. Because people can tell. I, that's what I... Yeah, I think so. Anyway... I, when I first came there, I told them, I'll tell you what, I'll go home and I'll pray for three days, and then I'll let you know. That's what I told them. So you made the decision that way. Yeah, so after three days, I came back and said, okay, I'll, I'll take the job. Anyway, we went, the dean had a party, so we all went to the party. And Lorraine and I were there, and they came around with the drinks for everybody, and they came, they had two orange juice glasses. This is for you. So, oh, the dean had two orange, orange juice, orange juice classes for Ray and I. So that was basically she, an assumption. Be, well, maybe because well, you I said I'm going to pray I, about it. I suppose the, the head of the department told her I was going to go home and pray or something. Right. I know. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> That's so good. Oh yeah. Well, anyway. But that was years ago. What year was that? 1966. 1966. Yeah. And you were at Iowa State for 30 years? Yeah. Yep, 30 years. I finally graduated. 
But <laughs> <laughs> Professor Emeritus. Well, that's, I don't know if people know what that is. First of all, they said they were going to make me a distinguished professor. I didn't know what that yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know what that was. And I thought, okay. And, <laughs> and the, okay, sure, whatever. And the dean says, I don't think you understand what I mean. Yeah. We're going to make you a distinguished professor. I said, well, okay. If you want to give me something, you know, for what I've done, that's fine. But I'm looking forward to what I'm going to do. And I don't look back. Well, I'm going to look forward. There you go. I don't think you understand. He said, this is the best we have. This is it. There's no better. Yeah. There's This is it, the top. This is it. And I thought, oh, okay. And I didn't realize it. Now, afterwards, when I went to this big... Uh, I don't know what you'd call it. Kind of like in a ceremony, awards ceremony. Yeah, they ceremony. gave me that great big plaque yep. with all yep. that stuff on it. Yep, I remember it. And I I thought, wow, I don't know if I don't want to do this, go out on that stage with all those people. And this, uh, I won't give his name, but famous guy says, if I were you, I'd walk straight and tall right out there and pick that up. He says. Yeah. Well, thought, it's an honor. Oh, yeah. Well, it's they, an honor. Okay. Afterwards, I figured out, man, on the campus, people would bow and curtsy and salute. <laughs> curtsy yeah. salute. Yeah, I thought, wow, they're right. This is the big deal. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know. I still think it's kind of... Now, there's another one called emeritus. That's when you retire. Then they have to vote whether you're worth it again. Oh. And if you're worth it, then they make you a professor emeritus for life. So you were distinguished professor emeritus. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and let, people don't, they don't really know. And why would they? They wouldn't know what it is. Right. They no, I get that. And they wouldn't have to know. But then some people, they don't get, They do not do that. But you see, there's be somebody on television, they'll say Professor Emeritus. They always, you know, they always yeah, yeah. add that. That's because they've been voted on after they retire. Yeah. Otherwise, they just say retire, yeah. I guess. Well, what I what I appreciate about you, Dad, is that you, um, you won't shy away from that. But that's not your identity. Your identity is who you are. And then, by the way, you've been awarded that. You know, some people get the they get titles yeah. and stuff, define them too much. But what I love is that you are who you are, whether that was said about you or not. But both of us, encouragement is important. It's not wrong to have those things. It encourages us. It makes no. us feel good about that. But that's not what defines you, though, is my point. You're secure in who well, you are. Well, when I told those them, are good. I'm looking forward to what I'm going to do, not, exactly. what, I'm, not what I've done. I mean, yeah, go that, forward. That, yeah, I, I think if people would be better off if they do that because otherwise you're trying to please somebody else to get something, and that, that that's not the that's not the real deal. That's not the way to do it. It's just it's, it it just isn't right. It's almost not true. To I don't yourself. I don't want to say it isn't right. It's just like it's not authentic because if you know what you want to do and you know why and you know how and you just do that and you don't even think about what well, well maybe it won't please this person. Right. So big deal. Yeah, you're not trying to do everything on life's chessboard. You're just yeah, moving forward. Yeah. There are some people I think they they say, oh, you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't wear this and you can't wear that. And they go through this whole yeah. whole big deal. What What do you mean you can't? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, it's hard to look cool. That's a joke. Yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to look cool. I'll tell you what. <laughs> yeah. But it is hard to look cool when you're just normal. Yeah. You're just a... Character in love. But I want to go back to that. <clears throat> so you get this award, and you've been in the art world for all these years, but that showed up 
early on in your life, right? You have giftings in that that showed up as a little kid. I mean, your teachers knew that from the beginning, right? Yeah. My first grade teacher, I drew a picture of a mouse and she raved about that mouse. She just raved about that mouse. Probably because I lived where there were mice. <laughs> I knew what a mouse looked like. And she just went on and on and on about that mouse. And I had, I had kind of blonde curly hair. And that was a, and then she'd put her finger in the top of my head and all of these curls. And the said, curls. And I'd say, oh, get away from me. She was really a pretty lady, but I'd say, oh, I get so embarrassed when she, <laughs> my, my life. So she liked yeah, the I mouse. I just thought of this the other day. When I, I, I believe it was first grade. I don't think it was second. I think it was first grade. I played the part of a dog named Rover, and I sang the song, Old Dog Rover Through the Fields of Clover. And I tried to look that up and find it. I can't find it anywhere. But it was an operetta. And here I was with a dog's mask on, singing. <laughs> so, Dad, was that like a one-room schoolhouse? Well, not, not re really, not, right? Well, not really. Well, it was... Our school had two two classes in each room, like first and two second. Two grades, one right, room. yeah. And then the third and fourth was in another right. room. Fifth and sixth was in another room. Seventh and eighth was in another room. And then high school was... Right. Of course, it wasn't very big, you know. <laughs> Yeah. I talked to some girls the other day. How many were in your graduating class? Yes, 600. 600. 600. Yeah. Okay, so wait a minute. But there's also a story that I remember about you when you draw a bird. Do what? Uh, you drew a bird for somebody or that on was, the blackboard? That was or? fifth grade. Fifth grade. Okay, tell me that. Her name was Delphi Rodine, and she was a really a good teacher. But anyway... I was kind of a scoundrel, you know, just, I, I just couldn't sit still. I just could not sit still. And you know, in those, we didn't get to speak. Right. They didn't, nobody, you had to raise your hand to right. speak. Nowadays, they wander around here and there and all that <laughs> stuff. I made up another story about that, too. You got the walkers. Yeah. You get out of their seat and walk really low. It's like walk like a duck. <laughs> walkers and the talkers, they're talking when yeah. they're not supposed to. And the gawkers, they're just sitting there with stare straight ahead like they're in Never Never Land or something. So they got the walkers, the talkers, and the gawkers. Anyway, I'm sure you saw them She all. says, I'm all, I've been all of them. Yeah. She says, Richard, could you draw a blue jay for me? And I thought, okay. And she brought out a wooden box about this big and it had colored chalk in it. Hmm. I'd never seen colored chalk. Right. And I went up to the board and up in the upper right corner, I remember I was standing on a stool, and I drew a picture of a blue jay up in the corner of that blackboard. It's kind of weird, you know, drawing a blackboard. It's kind of right, because it's opposite of now, I'll, I'll get back. To the, I'll get back to the story. But okay. At the design college, when it was new, they asked me, what do you want? I tell them, white boards. So why do you want white boards? I said, well... If I go show them what we're going to do, and I have a black pencil and a white piece of paper, I can show them what to do. So if I want to show them at the board, if I have a black marker, I can do it on a white board, and it'll be the same. Otherwise, if I'm drawing a white line on a black field, that's reversed. It's reversed. They can't do that. Yep. They yep. can't do that. And so I said, I want white boards. Guess what? Every other professor wanted white boards. Yeah. As soon as I got mine, then they all wanted yeah. them. And I, I don't know why they didn't think of it, or maybe they knew and they just didn't know enough to ask. I don't know. But anyway, so I drew a blue jay. On the blackboard. Yep. And I'll remember, I'll remember, she drew a yellow line around it. 
and it was there the whole year. Yeah. It says like, save on save there. this. Yeah. Save on there, and that blue jay was up there for the whole yeah. year. Well, that's a thing of things to come. Even that that you're. Oh, I you know, guess so. That's really good, though. I, yeah. Well, it's a pretty darn good blue jay. I'll tell you that. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know a blue jay from, from a robin. robin. <laughs> oh, that's another story. Yeah, there's another story about the huh? the birds. The blue jays. The you had a big book of birds or something. Oh, oh yeah. yeah that's why. Because you were kind of a class being a clown. clown. Being a clown, okay. On the radio program, they used to have a radio program and it was called Mr. Wimple. Not Mr. like the clinic or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. His name was Mr. Wimple. Okay. And he would walk around the block on Fibber McGee and Molly show, I think it was. And he walked around the block and he always was a bird watcher. And <laughs> He says, he saw some, everything begin with B. He had black eyes, barrows, and bluebirds, and bobolinks, and every week he'd have all these birds with B for whatever. And so, <laughs> one day a bird flew up and landed on the windowsill. And Miss At Rodine, your school? Yeah, and okay. Miss Rodine said, what kind of bird is that? And all the kids, they raised their hand, blackbird, blackbird. <laughs> I, I said, it's a purple grackle. Why, Richard, how did you know that? I said, I have a big bird book. <laughs> and the kids fall on the floor and laugh. It was a clever, it was a good line. Right. Because they knew, they'd heard that program the that, night before. So it, being a clown is not all bad. No. Not all it's good. It's not mean-spirited. Not all good, but they, they don't think you're serious, you know. Right, right, right. I don't know. She was a good teacher, though. You still like to look at birds, though? Oh, you yeah. You still like to watch? I don't know. I think the hawks are taking care of my birds. Really? I saw a hawk fly through the other day, and there's no birds around here. I used to have lots of them. But those hawks, I guess they, they catch, catch them right in midair. I don't know. Let's pause a second. If you are enjoying The Real Deal with Rachel Inouye, subscribe, rate, and review it. I appreciate your support. All right, back to The Real Deal. So uh, you grew up the middle child, right? Yeah. So there's three boys, so an older brother, then girls, then you in the middle, and then girls, and then a younger brother, yeah. correct? Yeah. So tell me something about your upbringing that you want to share. Anything. Well, you know, we were so free. <laughs> we were so free, we just could go anywhere. Right. And I, I've gone some places. Growing up on a farm. People didn't even know where we were, actually. I loved airplanes so much that I was in a little town, and a guy in a clothing store, I don't know what we're doing there, but the guy in a clothing store named Carlson said he had a plane. And he said, would you like to go for a ride? I thought, oh man, would I ever. And I think I was probably 10 maybe. Yeah. And I rode the bicycle six miles. He says, I'll meet you in this alfalfa field. Wow. So I rode the bicycle over there on, I thought, whatever day he told me. And sure enough, there he came down the road in his car and had a tin building out there on that acreage of his hangar. And so it was a plane was silver. Anyway, it was it was aluminum plane. Yeah. But it had been in a hailstorm. And it oh. was just peppered with dents. Just looked awful. 140, it was a 140 Cessna, I think. Anyway, so we pulled it out and he had to had to prop it. He had to get out and yeah. spin the propeller to start okay. it and yeah. in the inside. And he, 
uh, hold the brakes on or whatever, and he gets out and he starts it, and then he gets in. Yeah. You, know? you have to be careful because it could take off down. So we take off, and the south end was a great big cottonwood trees. Wow. And we went along, we went along, and we just, I swear, we just cleared them. Just cleared those cottonwoods. I think the wheels maybe even hit the top of those trees. <laughs> and we flew around, oh, I don't remember, I don't know, maybe some of my little towns around there and then he landed and we landed and we got up and the whole bottom of that plane was full of oil and was leaking oil just oh no black oil the whole and i thought yeah, this could have been dangerous no kidding <laughs> it, i mean that's not natural right that's no, not supposed no. to be well maybe he didn't know or care i don't know but boy it sure was covered with oil now nobody knew where i was yeah see i nobody knew i was there yeah. They still don't know I went for that yeah. ride. But the freedom that you had wasn't a bad thing. It was a good thing. Grew up with lots of space, grew well, up on a farm. Oh, gosh, yes. But it was so different because now everybody worries about everything. Like when you have a... <laughs> Mom used to lock the screen door, the back door. And she'd say, now listen, young man, if you want something in the house... Take it now because you're not getting back in till four. <laughs> Go play. And I'll tell you, I'm not kidding. I'd stand on that back porch and whine. Oh, I forgot the coping saw. Oh. <laughs> the oh, what? The coping saw. Oh, the saw. I was always building something. Yeah, yeah. Too bad she would not open that door. Now, I understand why. With all those kids, she says, I got to have relief. <laughs> you know, I got to have relief. Woman has to have some peace. Well, can you imagine? There, say there were eight of us and our parents, that's ten. Yeah. And sometimes it'd be a couple hired men and that same people. Yeah. People didn't complain about food, I'm telling you. They just ate. <laughs> they didn't, because you didn't eat it, somebody else would. <laughs> it's just it's so different. It is a different world. I remember eating a lot of chicken uh, and and uh, bologna and cornbread. Cornbread. I swear almost every day. Really? Cornbread. Cornbread. Yeah. Cornbread. I like cornbread. Yeah, you too. Anyway, just just think how different that yeah, is. Yeah, so different. And we sat on ice cream stools, those metal ice cream stools like they have in the ice cream parlors. Yeah, those I, yeah. Iron, the, the round. Right, with the I round. Think. We all sat seats. around the table on those stools all the way around. Huh. Yeah. Well, not the hard men and the folks, but right. all the kids. And my sister Betty loved sugar. Oh, she just loved sugar. And she's complaining because she didn't get as much ice cream as somebody else. Yeah. And my, our Uncle Paul was sitting right next to her. And she was looking this way, complaining he was eating her ice cream the whole time. <laughs> she looked down, it's about gone. He, he, he ate her ice cream. <laughs> but she used to, oh, she'd make fudge. Yeah. And she'd put it in her hand. It wouldn't even be solid yet. She'd put it in her hand and she'd like She'd just it. eat it she'd with her finger. One, with one finger at a time. Well, a sweet tooth, I get it. Oh, yeah. You have a sweet tooth. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no sugar. Yeah. We, so sto we stopped her place one time. We were alley hooting. We go up and down the alleys in Des Moines. What's alley hooting mean? Just up literally? Yeah, see what you could find. Copper and brass and stuff, you know. And, oh. And we saw it. Walking? No, in a pickup. Oh, okay, okay. Annie's dad. Okay. Or Annie's uh, grandpa. Okay. Tom Tynan. Okay. And we go up and down the alleys, and so we went by the alley behind Betty and Ed's place. And I don't remember, oh, oh. we picked up a great big 
meat counter like thing, like a, a you know, like from a grocery store. Yeah. Oh, I weighed a ton. I don't know how we ever lifted that thing into that truck because we were trying to get the copper out and sell the copper. So you take it to like a salvage yard? Yeah, or? Okay. yeah, yeah. But we had to tear it all apart. We had to take all yeah. those tracks and tear it all apart to get. The... Anyway, we were in the house and Betty Joe standing on a stool in the kitchen, and I said, "What are you, what are you doing, Betty?" Oh, Linda hid the candy. <laughs> Her, her, her daughter hid the candy. And she was so she's up on a stool trying to find it or get it out. Yeah, <laughs> she's tall anyway, so yeah. that would have been up on a stool. Linda, Linda hid the candy. <laughs> and good. Tom. So then she gave us cookies, and for years Tom said, "Oh, that was wonderful." Betty, she'd give us a cookie or two. <laughs> <laughs> he always talked about those cookies. <laughs> After a lot of scrap hunting, oh, that's fun. That's I don't know. I've been down so many trails. I, I don't know. You've done lots of things. Yeah. Do you, Do you have favorite things or not favorites? That's too hard. That's too narrowing. But do you have memorable things? Well, riding an airplane at ten has to be memorable. Um, oh yeah. Well, I've, I've done several of those airplane things, but oh, some of them are you know not not very smart. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know, you know, like I, I shot a shotgun from horseback. No, I see the movies. Yeah. At a target or? No, a pheasant took off. Okay. And I shot right over that horse's head and that horse went berserk. Yeah, started going. Boy, it's funny I didn't get killed in that one. Man, we went down that bank into that ditch and that horse was tromping around. Oh, man. I never did tell anybody that one. Yeah. Because it could have been dangerous. But that horse, of course, you know. I don't know how they do that in the movies. Yeah, you have more for us, don't you, Dad? Stories? Yeah, give me a subject. All right, look at that. that That's bra a brass that, bed. Brass, solid brass bed. That was my grandma and grandpa's from Minnesota. Really? Yeah. I think I knew that. But you had to take it apart? Well, Betty and Ed had it. And my uncle had cut a piece out of it to put on a drain pipe. <laughs> Well, it was needed. And so they didn't know what to do with it. So I took it home, and I took it all apart, and then I put it back together. I put the parts back together so it looks like, you know. Yeah, looks the real, great. Looks like the looks real great. deal, when really it's just half of the bed. Some of the other parts I use for uh, the walking Walking sticks. canes, yeah. Yeah, some yeah. of the round parts are on the walking canes. That's where they came from. How many have you made now? You told me the other day. 28. 28 walking canes, walking sticks. And each one is the real deal. They're yeah. each different. The last one was from your tree out here. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I'm not done with it. It's it's out, out there. But it's, yeah, I just picked up the other day off of that one you brought home from first grade. That. Yeah. We but, we had to plant it like we get it on Arbor Day or whatever, and you bring it home I and you can it plant little, it. little styrofoam cup. Yep. Look at it now. It's oh. huge. Yeah. Wow. That was years and years ago. Yeah. Yeah. See the tree, how big it's grown. Yeah. <laughs> Friends, it hasn't been too long. It wasn't big. <laughs> That's a song. So tell me some of your etched in you moments. Like, I don't know what they would be. Just, you're a great storyteller, but just some things you'll never forget. Well, I have a, an old car. The car would be like 10 years old, you know. Yeah. And I had so many lights on that car. Everybody wanted to ride in that car because mm. I'd hooked up lights and the lights in the steering wheel, lights in the gear shift knob, yeah. lights on the mud flaps, lights. I had 21 lights. I couldn't keep the battery charged because that's 
It's like, like, it's like, and then I put fender skirts on this old car, and everybody wanted to ride in it because so it was so different, you know. Yeah. It was just a different deal. So I bought the car from my brother for eighty dollars. Wow. Eighty dollars. Wow. For a nineteen thirty Chevrolet. Yeah. Drove it for years and years. But you modified it and added oh, all the yeah. light. You kind of well, that's part of your creativity. People, You've always done that yeah. with other things. Other people had nice cars, you know. And I used to look at that and say, Oh, I'll never have a car like that. That no, not no chance. Anyway, things worked out pretty yeah. good actually. The things that, well, you know, there's so many of them. It's, it's hard to, for, well, first of all, I used to shoot really, I could yeah, really Very shoot. accurate. Yeah, yeah. Really good. And my dad would say, don't waste them bullets. And I said, they're not bullets, they're shells. <laughs> the bullets, what comes out of the shell, no, they're bullets, he'd say. Yeah. So he said, shoot, shoot ground squirrels. Shoot ground squirrels. They eat the corn. Yeah, yeah. And so shoot pest them, control. And shoot them yak rabbits. <laughs> shoot them yak rabbits. They eat the corn. So I I used to throw walnuts up in the air and shoot them. Wow, that's accurate. Yeah. So then on Sunday. <laughs> From they, a walnut tree in the yard? Oh, we had. Oh, Those would be everywhere. Of, oh, we had walnuts. I've walked on walnuts. My uncle planted all these walnut trees. Man, they were everywhere. Yeah. Anyway, so, okay, so on Sundays we used to go to different farms or they'd come to your yeah. farm like that. There was like four or five families and they'd just make a, like a, and they'd all show. Kind of rotate yeah, or visit. they'd show off their equipment and whatever, you know, you know all these things. Anyway. So <laughs> it's then, adult then show he'd, and tell. Then he'd say, go get your rifle. Show them how you can shoot. <laughs> See, when they were there, then it was okay. <laughs> so then I could throw walnuts in the air and show. So I was out Lorraine's folks one time. And I threw a nickel up in the air, and I shot the nickel. Wow. And it went zing, and it flew maybe 100 yards away. <laughs> and Dolores, Lorraine's sister Dolores, yeah. went out and picked up that nickel with a big bulge in it. Wow. And about 30 years later, she sent me that nickel. Wow. I don't know. It's around here somewhere. somewhere. Yeah. She said, here's the nickel you shot. Like, proof. Proof yeah, that you did yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Now I can't prove it because I don't have the nickel. Yeah. It's around somewhere. It's around here it's somewhere. It's around here somewhere. Wow. Anyway, so, now, I, I I really was pretty good at uh, and one of my buddies, or not one, several of my buddies wanted me to shoot in Humboldt and uh, belong to a rifle and pistol club and they were going to have a competition. They wanted me to shoot. So I said, well, I don't have any big deal to shoot. <laughs> so they borrowed a German training rifle somewhere. I don't know where they got mm. Man liquor, Schnauhauer, or whatever it was, some fancy gun. I never seen one quite like it. So we went to this armory to shoot, and this guy next to me came in. He had a big, rolled out this big mat, and he had big cases, and he took out this uh, tripod and a big tele telescope, like a big as a stovepipe, great big thing. Wow. And he was shooting glasses and a vest and all yeah, this stuff. He had stuff. all the gear and equipment. He, Never missed the 10x ring right in the middle all night, right in the middle every time. He was the national champion. They didn't tell me that. Wow. Here they laughed and laughed that I was so dumb to go <laughs> against this guy. His name was Dick Stearns. He was the national yeah. small bore champion. Anyway. Well, that's kind okay, of neat now, to be amongst him. I did win second in the pistol shooting that night. They, whatever. But the guy that beat me had this rinky-dink pistol. Oh, boy. 
but he wouldn't have done it. And I said, how in the world can you shoot like that? He said he had a thing in the back door of his house. He lived on out in the country. Yeah. And he had a bench on the back side of his house by the back door, and he would go out and shoot every day. Yeah. Every day. Well, you know, you can't beat that kind of... It's called skill. Beat that with a stick. <laughs> Keeping your skill. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. skills need honed. to be practiced, honed, right? Sharpest edges ever honed. <laughs> That's a Gillette ad. <laughs> Wait, I was going to have you tell a joke, but I can't remember it. It was one of the jokes you told me the other day. Uh, lawyers? Yeah, maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me that one. Two lawyers went into the restaurant, and they got their coffee, and they sat down in the booth, and they opened their brown bags to eat lunch. <laughs> and the waiter came by and says, you can't eat your own lunch in here. So they traded lunches. <laughs> Only a lawyer would think yeah, of that. Yeah, that's funny. Only a lawyer. That's a good one. That's a <laughs> yeah. good one. Yeah. Oh, golly. Okay, well, Dad, tell me a little bit about the cap you wear. That cap and the other cap. You're often seen with the leather cap. You've had it forever, and then you have this cap. That they're well, all we, memorable. Well, we travel. I think I had four of those caps, full of those buttons from traveling. You know, that's a cheap thing to buy when you travel. So souvenir-wise, you put one of the places Yeah, I, I just kept been. putting them on the cap, and they just kept... Growing and growing, I got three or four caps full. We've been, we travel a lot. Yes, you do. We've and traveled. it's kind of neat to know and remember where you've been. Oh yeah, yeah. There's, a lot, there's some neat ones on there, really. And that, I'm assuming what, now the other one, I the other cap. Every day somebody mentions that cap. Yeah. I'm not kidding. I every know. day, at least one person mentions that cap. Oh, I like your cap. Oh, I like your cap. And now they say about the walking sticks. Oh, I like that walking stick. Yep. I said, I've made several of them. You made that. It's just like, I don't understand how they, why they think you couldn't make a crude, crooked walking stick. No, they're really neat. But anyway. You paint them or stain them. You wrap some metal of the on paint, them. Some of the paints from 1948 art school. Wow. They're still good in the tubes. Really? Yeah. Because you open it up, it won't come well, out still, will it? Yes. It will? Yes. Wow. They're in lead tubes. It's probably illegal. But that, yeah, that's what it is. That's wow, a, that's a long... Paint. It's oil paint. It takes forever for it to dry. But good They're paint. beautiful, Dad. They're beautiful. You're quite a creator. I, well... You're very I, creative. I You're made so. in God's I, image, and you are an amazing creator. And an inventor. And a modifier. I like to make stuff. And a maximizer. You know what I mean? You don't Make throw... something... Well, you can't make something out of nothing, but... Right. You know, you can... That's God, but reclaim, you can... Right. Reclaim stuff or whatever. No, it's it's like a big puzzle. I think you know it keeps you think, thinking about what you could do or what. what and there, uh, we have an iron fence out here. Yes, love I, it. In I the got backyard. that from a junkyard, and it was like noodles. They had dropped it so many times. All these things were just bent, yeah. bent yeah. just awful, just just awful. And I sat out one summer and straightened all those, straightened them all. And I pounded on that iron. I bet the neighbors loved it. <laughs> I took, bing, oh bing. man, it took forever. And then I cut them all apart. And then I had to weld it back together. Right. Because it was coal welded. So now we have that decorative fence it's around beautiful. it. It's beautiful. But it's a nice one. It's beautiful. But, but it came, boy, I'm not kidding you. It looked like noodles. Yeah. And then somewhere along the line, there's some real decorative little finial things. That's, that's not from the fence. I was, I was in Des Moines. And it was, they were tearing down a place that had a big iron fence around it. Mm -hmm. And I said to the guy, 
could I have some of those? He says, you can have as many as you can get off before we destroy it. Wow. So I had my little pliers. I always carry those. You always carry pliers. pliers in your pocket. Always, yeah, I've got them right here. I always carry those little <laughs> pliers. Anyway, Produce. I took off maybe 10 or 12 of those little things before they came along and I had to move because they yeah. told me I had to get out of there. Anyway, some of those are out there too. Now, see, you can throw those away. Could. But why not use them for something? Because right. they're, they're cast iron. They're right. neat. You know? they're, right. they're the real deal. They are the real deal. Now, and that that's actually a, a picture of, you know, a lot of people would say, well, that's bent or that's broken or whatever. But I think even in the hard things of life, God can use the things that look like a bunch of noodles and make something beautiful out of it. Yeah. He, he literally can. He's really good at redeeming things and reclaiming things and refashioning them to make them even better than... Yeah, there's a whole big study about that, you know, Bara and Yatser and all those words that have to do with creating things. Yeah, everybody's different, of course. You know, that that's a big creation. That's everybody's different. Well, that's lucky, you know. Yeah, very good thing. <laughs> yeah, otherwise we'd be like at beans for breakfast. <laughs> beans, <laughs> beans. Richard, say some things fast. Say some things slow. Whisper now and then. Yeah. That well, was, it was good, good advice. You know, well, sure, it was a good advice. You, now, you know, when I do sometimes my those people, they I'm not sure they know whether they should tell you or not, and I think they probably wonder, you know, if they should really tell you. And then when they do, you think, boy, that was a pretty good deal that they did tell. Oh, yeah. Because I know some people, they get the words wrong, and you know, they just pronounce it the wrong way, and I say, well, I wonder if I should tell them, or, mm, you know, mm. I'm sure it might hurt their feelings. But most times, I think they're glad you tell them because otherwise they keep making the same mistake. You know, people make mistakes. There's no doubt about that. So somewhere, it's like, I have a story about bicycles. I was down in Amarillo, Texas, and I was walking down the street on Sunday morning. It was hot. Oh, man, it was hot. It, well, it wasn't the morning. It was like 1, one o'clock, I think. Okay downtown Amarillo and I had my Air Force uniform on and I'm walking down the street and I was the only one I mean I was the only one out there yeah and all of a sudden this kid came up on a bicycle he had a little wooden stool and he took this little wooden stool off and set it on the street and said are you safe brother I did he stand on it huh did he stand on it to say that yeah oh I cute. looked around there was nobody else there but me <laughs> I thought wow what's with you? So anyway, I don't know where they came from, but I'm telling you, within minutes there was a whole crowd of people. Wow. And I'm in the middle of this crowd, and they're all, preach it, son, preach it, brother, and they got this street preacher. Yeah. I thought, why me? In Amarillo, Texas, 110 degrees on a Sunday morning, and here comes a guy on a bicycle. Well, um, that might have been, was God still pursuing you at that point? Oh, I'm sure. So then, later on, I'm working at a gas station, it's midnight, and it's fog, oh, thick fog, I barely see. And I close the door down at midnight to close close up the shop. Here comes a guy on a bicycle in the fog, rides up there, he says, could you tell me where the YMCA is? And I told downtown Des Moines where it was. By the way, brother, are you saved? <laughs> And I thought, what's with these bicycle guys? It's not the same guy, though, right? No, not oh, the same guy, but he says, I'm from Canada. Yeah. And I thought, well, okay, now God sends somebody to Amarillo. Right. And then he sends somebody from Canada. To, I thought, this is closing in ever increasingly <laughs> tighter circles. 
I don't know. Uh, I don't know. But it's, that's the way it works, though. That's the way it works. That's, God goes after people in the most beautiful. Well, way. I knew He wanted me, but I didn't know why. But mm. I was running pretty hard, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but He'll catch you. <laughs> he will catch you. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, because He loves you. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yep. Well, I'm glad He got you, because I don't know. I, that's me. another story. Yeah. Tell me. Went to school. Eagle Grove, and there's a new guy from Lincoln, Nebraska, a gymnastics guy, muscles on top of muscles. <laughs> he was an English teacher, but he, he really was good. He was a speech writer for mm. Governor Hughes when he was governor. He was a good speech writer. Anyway, one day, like first day of school or whatever, when school started in the fall, he says, what's the greatest thing ever happened to you? And I said, I got saved. Mm. That cost me five bucks, he said. The janitor bet me five bucks that you tell me the first day. Oh, so he so said, it cost me five bucks. <laughs> <laughs> here's your orange juice. You, huh? Here's your orange juice. We, we know you've been praying for three days. <laughs> now the janitor knows you're going to say the day I got yeah. saved. That's good. That's called the testimony. And oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, we used to be on television, you know, then they'd see that television show, and they're like sneaky, you know. They, they, they don't come out right out publicly, they kind of in the shadows like Nicodemus or something, come by and want to know what it's all about. The dean of the junior college, tell me, tell me what this born again stuff is. I, tell mm. them, I, I don't know how to tell you any other way. All I know is what happened. And I said, I just, that's it. And he, <laughs> I think, I said, I'll tell you what, I, I can't explain it all to because I don't know. I just know it happened, and I don't. I don't even know who I am. I just, I don't. I don't know. Just I, changed I drastically. Changed, it changed so drastically. I don't even recognize who I am. I said, "But I'll pray with you." Oh man, I think it scared him that he wouldn't even come near me. I'd see him coming down the hall. He'd go the other. <laughs> so. Well, you know that straight scripture though. That if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. That's and that's exactly exact, what happened to you. Exactly what happened. And it's and not I, a, um, a version that's kind of like you polished your shoes no, new. It's no, a new creation. It's, no, it's brand new. I'm telling you, it's a whole different deal. It's a whole deal. Anyway, it's that's the real the re deal. I was just going to say, it's the real deal. <laughs> yes. Yeah, All right, Dad, you've been fabulous. Well, I, want, I would love for you to close us for a prayer if you feel comfortable doing that. And Unless you have something else you want to tell me, because I hope we get to do another one of these if you come to Waukesha sometime. We'll keep them in the shelf. We'll keep them on the shelf. We'll pull them out. When... Are you good with that? Well, yeah. Because well, we haven't even we haven't even tapped the stories yet, have we? <laughs> no. There's a lot of stories. Anyway, Lord, we come to you knowing full well that you care about us. We also know full well that you make yourself known to us in many, many ways through people and places and things and scriptures and, and church services and yeah. evangelistic it's meetings so and all these different things, Lord. We, we just know that when you, you, you somehow, someone says, like the hound of heaven, and you, you run us down and catch us, and, and we just know that there's, a, there's a, a, a mystery behind it. It's a mystery we don't even understand. We can't see it, we, but we know it's real. And when it happens, it's like uh, people say, I know, I know, I know, mm -hmm, I know, I mm know -hmm. I, that I know. And yeah. it's so deep that you can't yeah. even explain it. But Lord, I'd ask that all those people that may be wondering about how it works and how it happens, 
Well, I do know one thing for sure, that it does happen. Yeah. And it's, it's not only that it does happen, it's a brand new revelation, and it's just like an absolutely earth-shattering experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's the best deal of ever, and yeah. the real deal. Yeah. And I thank you for the fact that you made yourself known to me, and yeah. I ask, I pray every day for all the kids yep. and grandkids and great-grandkids yep. that you make yourself known yeah. to each one of them again yep. and again and again. And I'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Bless you, Dad. Yep. I'm so Thank glad you. you did this. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Yeah. All right, you guys, more to come, hopefully. Thank you. You've been listening to The Real Deal with me, Rachel Inouye, helping people celebrate their significance and the genius of God in them. Audio engineering by my husband, Michael Inouye. Thanks, babe. Theme music by Andrew Grace. <laughs>